welcome back to the Greek and Turkish dialogue podcast series entitled Issues That Matter. This podcast series is brought to you by the generous support from Friedrich Naumann Foundation. My name is Eylem Yanardaoğlu. I'm an associate professor at Kadir Has University New Media Department in Istanbul. I am also a um, fellow at Hellenic Foundation for European and Foreign Policy, LEMEPS, Turkey program in Athens. I'm going to be your host for this episode. And today I have with me two guests from two different social enterprises in Greece and Turkey, which are established by young entrepreneurs. Both organizations are tackling with different aspects, but they are related to sustainable development and they are by both focusing on issues of upcycling. And uh, I have here with me Damla Özanç from MANA, which is a social enterprise uh, founded in 2018, focusing on gender inequality and sustainable fashion. I also have with me here Lefteri Sarapakis, who is the co-founder of Enalia, which is a non-profit social enterprise, again tackling with uh, problems for the marine environment. So I am welcoming you both to our podcast series. I'd like to start with uh, Lefteri. Your organization is aiming to integrate the collected marine plastic into the circular economy and there will not be plastic pollution in the sea. Could you please tell a bit more about yourself and the organization and how this idea to set it up was born? Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you very much, Elim, for the for the introduction and the kind words. Really excited to be here. Uh, so regarding our organization, an alia in Greek means together with the fishers. And when we started, it was around six years ago, I would have no idea that would be uh, involved into plastic cleanup or circular economy. We, we started with the, the goal to create jobs for unemployed people. Uh, that was the goal back then in the days. And uh, the reason we selected the fishing sector is that I'm coming from a fishing family. So, yeah, my family has, has been fishing for five generations here in the sea. And I knew that back in the days, a few years ago, they were searching for a lot of personnel. So together with a friend, we started the fishing school, first fishing school in Greece. We have trained actually more than 150 unemployed people and created around 100 jobs in the country. And the point is that while we were creating the curriculum of the fishing school, uh, we went on fishing trips to see the whole process. The point is that I had no idea about fishing, you know, even though I'm coming from a fishing family, I'm probably the worst fisherman in, in Greece. Uh, so we went on fishing and we went on cyclades and uh, we fished with all kinds of fishing techniques. And then on our first trip, I was really shocked to see that uh, the fishermen were collecting with their nets uh, not only fish, but also plastic from the sea, like a lot of plastic. And I still remember in the first catch, we, we got like a, uh, a can uh, of a soda drink that was so old, it had expired back in 1987. So it was like 30 years in the sea. And as I was looking at that, uh, the fisherman took it from my hand and threw it back in the sea. And he told me, you know, Lefteris, marine litter is not our problem. But over the next days, we fished from the sea like tons of plastic bottles, plastic bags, fishing nets, even a refrigerator. And they were just throwing it back in the sea. 
So, you know, after studying that and reading that by 2050 we'll have more plastic than fish in our seas, we decided to take action and we started training the fishing communities to bring back the plastic they got. We started from the port of Piraeus, which is my hometown, and over the next year we expanded all over Greece and the Mediterranean Sea. Currently we are working at 40 ports in the Mediterranean and we are collecting around 5 tons of plastic uh, from the bottom of the sea every week. That's approximately uh, one truck full of plastic from the sea daily. This is how much the fishers are, are collecting. But the point is that, and there is circular economy. What, what are we doing with all of, all of that plastic? Is it just going to go to the landfill? So one way or another, go back to the environment. So we wanted something more than that. So we created partnerships with the certified recycling companies. And uh, now more than 70% of the plastic that we are collecting from the sea is integrated into the circular economy and is turned into new products. PET uh, is sent to Madrid and is turned into jackets and t-shirts and shoes. Fishing nets uh, are sent uh, to Healthy Seas, an environmental organization in the Netherlands, that facilitate the upcycling into socks or swimming pants. The rest of the materials are turned into skateboards, table, furniture. So my point is that cleaning plastic from the sea is, is in my point of view, not really useful if you just uh, throw it to the landfill. And then if you turn the plastic into a new product, you turn it from a waste into a resource. And by doing that, you allow income generation for the communities engaged in that. You allow replicability of the model because you're not dependent only on donations and sponsorships to keep on working. And uh, I believe in that way, uh, you also reduce uh, the plastic used because instead of virgin plastic, you use now marine plastic. So I don't know if I covered you with my answer on that. Yes, thank you very much, uh, Lefteri. Um, although you are dealing with different aspects of uh, sustainable development, I think you have many points in common with Damla Ozanj and her enterprise, her organization, because as um, far as I um, understand, uh, MANA aims to design upcycled products uh, from textile wastes and textile retailer brands. And also it is um, also trying to work with a women's um, cooperatives. So Damla, can you please tell us uh, a bit about yourself and how the idea to set this enterprise Price, uh, was born. Okay. Um, hello, everyone. Uh, this is Damla. I'm the founder of This Is Mana. Uh, so in Mana, we basically uh, take uh, textile wastes from textile retailer br- uh, brands, getting upcycle design and produce them w- uh, with women cooperatives acro- across Turkey. So uh, then we give back uh, them back to uh, upcycle product to the company who is the owner of the Vestas. This is our circularity, um, basically. Uh, we are trying to find solutions uh, to two main problems, which are, uh, as you said before, Eylan, uh, gender equality and this, uh, responsible uh, production and consumption in textiles um, industry. Uh, I founded MANA because I have found statistics um, that 80% of women who are exposed uh, to violence in Turkey uh, cannot earn an income in their lifetime. Uh, at that time, I thought uh, that uh, if I can establish a business uh, where women can earn 
uh, income maybe uh, from their skills, uh, I can find a solution to this problem. So uh, in Turkey, because, uh, you know, Uh, women are usually knitting, crochet, or sewing something, uh, but and also they are doing uh, these kind of things uh, just for fun or to be social with uh, other women. So uh, that's why I built the business on handicrafts. Uh, when we saw how bad such a large sector in uh, is uh, socially, economically, and ecologically, we started talking about fair trade. Uh, transparency, workers' rights, uh, resource um, consumption, and activism on these issues also. Uh, this is how MANA was uh, born, actually. Uh, when we first started, uh, we were doing retail uh, production and sales. Uh, again, uh, we were, were uh, working with disadvantaged women, and we were selling on our e-commerce side. But then um, we saw that it is very important for every person to raise awareness yes but uh, the real problem is big companies so at that time we thought uh, that if our business model was one uh, where we where we were in uh, direct contact with brands we could make bigger impact and then we Uh, pivoted the business to the circular mo uh, model. Yeah, uh, this is our model, and that's why I uh, founded this. Uh, this is Mana. Okay, great. Thank you, both of you. And we keep hearing from both of you the circular economy, and maybe it's it's good to our listeners to sort of um, explain this concept and how it works and how you deal with you know. Um, with the other brands and other organizations you just mentioned. Uh, what can you tell us, Lefteri? How can we explain this process? For me, circular economy is an economy where we um, don't throw resources into waste, like where a product or a material after uh, being used can be reused uh, or recycled or upcycled, uh, you know, forever, that we don't need let's say in my case, a virgin plastic to keep on making products, we can just use recycled plastic. Currently, we have an economy that's considered to be linear, so that means that uh, everything we use then it's uh, disposed of. Actually, in Greece, the, the average uh, plastic bottle has a lifespan of uh, ranging from a few seconds to a few minutes, depending on how thirsty you are. And that, that material... Um, is probably never going to be used again. So in a circular economy model, that's not the case. Either you have like a glass bottle that you can refill it, or that plastic bottle is then recycled sustainably into, into a new product. Um, so it's an economy that's not generating waste, but is mainly managing resources, if I may say that. Hey, thank you. And Damla, how does it work in uh, the fashion industry? I think it's one of the industries uh, which is causing a lot of um, a debate about sustainability in the recent years, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you know, uh, sustainability has become an important concept for the whole world in recent years. And in 
textile, we always talking and listening about sustainability. The increase in the world's population uh, and the limited resources and decreasing day by day force us to be circular in every consumption area, I guess. So Turkey is the seventh largest textile producer country uh, in the world. Uh, however, we all know how problematic uh, textile production is both economically, so- socially and environmentally. So we as MANA produce circular fashion to make these problems more visible and show everyone that uh, that there are better possibilities. So be, uh, we believe circularity is essential for the uh, world's resources to be sufficient uh, for such a population and for real sustainability to be possible. There is a serious inefficiency uh, in textile production in Turkey. About uh, 70% of textile waste produce, uh, produced each year is incinerated. Uh, so buried or at the best option, they send it to recycle centers. So that's why we always talking about upcycling something. This is the best option uh, that I believe to be sustainable. Thank you both. I guess you Tell us why, you know, upcycling uh, is important in both uh, Greece and Turkey, um, given the, you know, popularity of textile industry and, uh, of course, uh, uh, fishing as well. But I also see that, you know, both your organizations um, are aiming to reach out to disadvantaged and fragile communities uh, to maybe, you know, the uh, unemployed youth or unemployed women. And I was wondering how you reach out to these communities and how you uh, sort of uh, invite them to be part of your activities, how you are working with them. Um, what is what is their sort of um, approach to you? Uh, could you tell us a bit more? So, yeah, that's actually an excellent question. And uh, in Analia, we started working a lot with uh, unemployed youth. And now we have expanded that and uh, we're working a lot also with uh, fishing communities, uh, which is, uh, may I say, also an underprivileged uh, you know, group of people. Um, currently, we're working with uh, more than 2,000 uh, fishers, mainly men, but also women. Uh, in the Mediterranean, but also in uh, in the Indian Ocean, in, in Kenya. And uh, the way we approach them is um, actually kind of <laughs> simple and complicated at the same time. So I'm coming from a fishing family. So the way I approach the fishing communities is I was traveling in the fishing ports all over Greece, you know, and I, th- I was telling them, hey guys, probably you know my family, we are fishing down in, in Piraeus. Yeah, I would like to talk to you about, you know, a fishing school or I would like to talk to you about cleaning plastic from the sea or circular economy. So then we would, you know, just start discussing. And most of the times I was just talking, you know, to all of them, fishing boat by fishing boat. So on the decks and I was trying to convince them. And uh, if I couldn't convince them, then I was trying to uh, to make it through, you know, their communities because, you know, uh, they, they all had wives working in a supermarket or a mini market or children working at, you know, the bank or the, the accountants or a place, this kind of stuff. So I was uh, also going there and explaining to their families what we were doing. 
And if, you know, the fishermen were, you know, skeptic at the first place when the family heard what we were doing, uh, they pushed them to, to join uh, our initiative. So this is how we approached them. And I was trying in, in every area to approach kind of the, you know, uh, early majority and the decision makers. So in, in every area, there are some people that are more willing to take risks and some people that are also more respected. So I was trying to get this kind of people and then these people would bring the whole community uh, with them. Actually, this is what was happening. And uh, that, that's about the approach. Uh, but I think the most important thing and why we are still able to work so closely with the fishing communities have such a high level of trust is that we offer them a win-win approach. We offer them an approach where uh, they protect the prof- their profession, like the fish stocks. Uh, they protect the sea, cleaning plastic from the sea. And at the same time, they increase their revenue. So it's a win-win approach for them as well. Uh, and uh, and they really like that. And uh, this is a thing why it became so stable and so strong that bond. And then why these fishermen started recruiting other communities for us. So I think that is, and the final final aspect that we've put uh, is positive storytelling. So uh, we started uh, talking to social media or to the press about the stories of uh, these uh, fishers, about how they are collecting plastic from the sea, about how uh, they help us integrate it to the circular economy. And they loved it because if you think about it, these kind of communities, they usually are in the press for negative news. You know, uh, overfishing, uh, pollution, uh, anything you can imagine, high level of unemployment. But now they are on the news for, uh, you know, a good reason, for positive news. Uh, so they love that. And uh, I, I think that uh, that's really what made the, the whole difference. Thank you. Uh, Damla? Um, yeah, in Mana, at the first, uh, you know, I started this with my neighbors. It was like, uh, you know, Aishiteze, could you please do this bag for me with this rope or <laughs> kind of things? But uh, then to uh, scale the impact, of course, uh, we started work uh, with women cooperatives uh, across Turkey, as I said before. Um, some are experts uh, in crochet, some, are, uh, some in weaving or something like this. So we mostly work with NGOs to reach these cooperatives. So there are also lots of migrant uh, women from different countries in Turkey, as you know. Uh, We know how uh, valuable handicrafts are in the adaptation phase and we try to create space for them as well. In addition to uh, female producers from Turkey, we work with many female, uh, female producers from Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, uh, and other countries. So this is really important because they don't know Turkish and the Turkish women uh, uh, don't know their languages. So crochet or uh, other uh, handicraft things are really good for uh, strong relationships uh, between these uh, women. So yeah, we are calling NGOs or doing meetings and uh, telling them we need uh, this kind of skills. Uh, so uh, could you please help us? And then uh, they uh, send us some uh, lists uh, about the women cooperatives uh, who has 
uh, that skills. So we are the selecting, you know, um, which are the possible ones, and we are meeting with them. We are going to their places, and if we are okay uh, with each other, so we are dealing and we are start starting to working with them. Yeah. Okay, great. So actually, you are uh, empowering these uh, fragile communities or disadvantaged communities uh, in in both countries, as I understand from your uh, activities. Um, and I want to ask you both, uh, because you are also both very young uh, as entrepreneurs and uh, social enterprises are just maybe developing um, in the recent years in Turkey, I know for sure, but I'm assuming in Greece as well. Um, can you tell us a bit about this environment, this ecosystem um, in, you know, in Greece and in Turkey? What is a, um, a social entrepreneur uh, finding himself or herself in what kind of uh, setting, what kind of supports are available and how do you go about your um, enterprises? I think it's a, it must be um, um, a journey. Uh, for, for both. So, Dano, would you like to start? Yes, but I can cry. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, I'm going to start. Um, okay, uh, and, I... you, you are allowed here. <laughs> Please <Yeah>. tell us. <laughs> okay. At first, when I started uh, to this job as a social enter, uh, entrepreneur, uh, it was hard. Um, because you know uh, nobody knows what is social enterprise uh, everybody say uh, why are you doing this are you robin hood or something uh, you know uh, and i was trying to uh, something and uh, nobody believed it but uh, now it started to become more known especially during the end after the pandemic so we are seeing more social enterprises and this is really good news uh, especially for me <laughs> uh, so um but uh, you know it is especially important for us to be known by the government so especially uh, maybe special tax status uh, incentives and support for access to grants are important to us uh, because we don't know we don't work uh, with big profits like commercial or regular uh, enterprises so it would be great to be supported by the state uh, for at least uh, maybe first three years uh, it could be perfect uh, for the all enterprises uh, but in turkey i i know some hubs and new grants uh, so generation is really uh, lucky about this uh, I don't know, is it okay? Uh, can I share the name of the hubs or something? Ah, okay. So maybe Impact Up Istanbul, it's also, I guess, in all uh, Europe. So maybe they can search for it and maybe they can attend some events that they are uh, organized. So yeah, I can share this, I guess. Thank you. Uh, is what kind of support or... Um, uh, environment is uh, available in Greece. 
Yeah, that's actually a great question, and I'm, I'm having similar feeling with uh, with Dumbla here. Uh, like social enterprise uh, is is still something very new to Greece and something that people don't really understand. Like uh, half of the time, people consider us an uh, NGO. Half of the time, people consider us a startup, but we are we are neither actually. And it's it's really hard to explain that you know we're trying to create. A sustainable business model, but on the other side, we're not trying to generate profits, but give these profits back to the communities or uh, include more communities into our work. So let's say um, legally, that's very challenging. Uh, it's it's very challenging to accept grants and at the same time uh, generate a business model at the same time. So hopefully, the next years this will be easier. Um, on the other side. Um, in the in the real world, not in the government world, uh, people start to understand what a social enterprise is. Um, so there are people willing to to work with organizations like us, and actually now uh, more and more sponsors and donors want to support uh, social enterprises compared to traditional NGOs. Uh, because you know, after we receive a grant, we also focus on generating a sustainable business model, so that in three years we don't need that grant anymore but we generate our own revenues so you know think about it from a sponsor or donor perspective like you have a specific budget you would like that budget after a while to be available again and then you can invest it into new initiatives while the old initiatives are still running so in that way you can run much more projects you can have much more impact so let's say in the real world the last years uh, we have received support uh, but in the legal and government world, uh, I'm afraid we, we still have years to come for that. So as I understand, the first three years is crucial in a social enterprise. And uh, you need uh, more support maybe from the government or government institutions, government agencies to support this kind of um, um, activities and enterprises. I guess... Uh, this is the same situation in both uh, Greece and Turkey. So maybe we can make a call here to our listeners uh, that, you know, uh, social enterprises are growing in both countries and, and they need um, more visibility and more, um, more support. Um, would you like to add um, maybe more on your perspective or on your experiences in your organizations before we uh, say goodbye to our listeners? I can maybe say like a short sentence, especially if, if there are young people that are listening. Like uh, I'm pretty sure Damla had a similar, similar experience, but in, in my case, you know, it's extremely hard setting something up on the on the ground. It's, it's, it's really challenging to start, to start something. Most of the people will say to you that it's not possible that this thing is going to happen. So, you know, I suggest that the best, the best way to just make and create something is just uh, start, start small, you know, start local, uh, like with baby steps and start uh, creating something uh, that generates value. And the best way to find something that generates value is to talk with the community you want to support or you want to create or the environmental issue you want to solve. Maybe you have an idea in your mind. But that idea is not what the community wants. So I said, just go out there and ask them. And then if you start small with something that generates value, I, I promise you that uh, you're going to create something uh, big, something that creates a real significant uh, impact. 
like in my case i've never i've ne- i would never imagine you know like uh, we would collect so much plastic this period of time but you know if i that i'm a person coming from a young uh, from, i'm a young person coming from a fishing family in Piraeus, and we are now coordinating more than 2000 fishers in the mediterranean and the indian ocean to collect plastic from the sea then i honestly believe you know that each and every one of you uh, you can start a similar initiative if you really want it uh, so this is what I wanted to say. It's something that can happen. Uh, it, it, wants, it requires hope and baby steps. <laughs> Thank you, Lefteri. Damla, you have uh, something to add to Lefteri's comments? Um, maybe I just can say knowing that you are not alone is very important at the first stage. It may be good to join the online or offline communities around you, uh, even if you won't be doing the same job with that uh, social enterprises. So it could be feeling better and thinking about, yeah, I'm not alone and I'm doing good things. Uh, so, yeah, it could be better feeling and uh, to be motivated. Yeah, I believe this. So, yeah, thank you for inviting us. Yeah, that's it. Thank you for, for being with us. I really enjoyed talking to you on, on these topics, you know, sustainable development and social enterprises. But I was especially pleased to talk with uh, uh, young entrepreneurs uh, like yourselves. And uh, maybe our listeners would like to follow you. So if you can just tell us quickly how they can find you on social media and how maybe they can become volunteers or involved. Our website is thisismana.com and the Instagram account is this.is.mana. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can reach us and text us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and from our point of view, you can just uh, find us on Facebook, Instagram, on LinkedIn, uh, on Enalia. Or if you cannot find that because it's a Greek word, you can just Google Enalia or my name and uh, you'll find our social media accounts. We'll be happy to answer you and maybe work with you. Okay, great. Thank you uh, for joining us today, Lefteri and Damla. And um, I thank our listeners uh, to uh, to be here. And I hope they enjoyed this episode as much as uh, I did. So thank you and hope to be together again. <laughs>